a corporate moment. That it's not just about, oh, this person or that person, but it's the full picture of the whole body being changed. Don't you all want to be more like Jesus? So put your hand on your heart this morning. Maybe feel it. Say, God, I really want you to do something in me because I don't want to be the same. I want to be more like you. God, that your word would come in with such precision that would bring such change in us. God, we just cry out and ask that you would do it in such a way that that brings such fresh, real, life-giving change. There's no one like you, God, and we thank you for your word, and we surrender our hearts to your word. We, we actually lay our hearts before you and say, God, have your way with your word in us, that we might never be the same. Thank you, God. You are so good. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord gave me a phrase that we needed to battle for our land and um, a battle for the land. And so this message comes from that thought that God gave me. So we are in a battle for the land promised to God's people and the enemy would love to occupy it. And this morning, I want you to consider your land and how much of it you possess and how much of it you need to battle for. I want to remind you, do you remember the story of Abraham being given the land of Israel? It was promised to him, right? In uh, Genesis 13, look at this. It says, and the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northwest, southward, eastward, and westward, for all that land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And the problem came when they got to the land when the people would not go in and take the land. They got to the door of the land and they actually explored it and then they refused to go in. They said that they couldn't do it. There was too many. The warriors were too strong. The giants were too scary. The walls were too high. And, and they, 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 couldn't, they said they couldn't do it. And they actually refused to go in. And God said this to them in Deuteronomy 8, 7, chapter 8, verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of a valley and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land in which you shall eat bread without scarcity. In which you shall lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And when you have eaten and are full, then you will bless the Lord for the God, for your God, for the good land which he has given to you. So he he promised them this land and he presented it to them and they didn't want to go into it. And he said, this is what I've done for you. And he lists all these things. And church, we're the same. He's given us a lot of things, and sometimes we say, I'm not going in. 
I can't take it. I'm not going to. And um, maybe you're thinking, well, what is what Abraham and the, the people, the Israelites, what has that got to do with me? Well, I have an illustration, and I'm hoping that it will show you what I'm talking about. Would you show me the plot plan, please? In case you don't recognize it, this is a plot plan, and this is where Mike and I live. Everything inside the lines, they belong to Mike and I. That's a cool place. <laughs> we, we plant trees, and we, we put in garden areas. We mow our yard, and we change things to suit our desires, what we want. The kind of plants we like, the bushes we want. We cut down trees or plant trees according to what we want. And we actually have all freedom to do whatever we want inside of that property. But this property comes with some um, responsibilities to maintain it. I, I own it, but I have to keep it up. I want to tell you something. I do not like weeds in my yard. And so I do what's necessary to get rid of them. I dig them up. I spray them. I speak over them. I rip them out. It's easy to spot, and I do not want them in my yard. And sometimes things happen in my property. For instance, we have a really messy neighbor that lives behind us with children. And, they, and their children have balls and toys and sleds and cups and papers. And, and they throw them into our yard. And they're in our yard. In all, and I do not like their stuff in my yard. So I promptly go over and I pick them up and I furiously throw them back into their yard. Because they're not mine. They're theirs. And I don't want them on my property. It's so annoying to a person that likes order. (laughs) Would you believe that we have neighbors that have chickens? And you want to know something? They can't put the chicken coop in our yard just because it's convenient for them. They would be getting a visit from me. I have no fear of them because I know my property lines and I know it's mine. (laughs) I I wouldn't think of allowing someone to just stop in and plant a garden in our land it belongs to us and we control what happens in it at this address because it's ours and there there might even be war if someone comes with a rototiller and a shovel to my yard Neither would I be happy if a food truck came into my driveway and set up its business there for all the neighbors to participate with. You see, it's our property, and we get to dictate what happens on this land. This is not a free rain zone. This is property owned by Mike and I. And so, you see, it's really easy to look at this and go, well, that's ridiculous. What food truck's going to come in? What neighbor's going to do that? What... What person's going to build a chicken coop on your yard? All those things. We know we would not allow those things to happen. But there is a real battle that we need to stop. And I want to show it to you. I want you to look at this from a little different thought. Would you show me picture one? 
Would you believe that's me? (laughs) There is a battle continuously for the possession of the land of me. The enemy, the devil, Satan, the roaring lion, his goal is to take me in any way he can. And the Bible tells us that he's like a roaring lion. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, he says, it says this, you, church, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. In case you don't know who the adversary is, it's the devil and all his cohorts. Walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And then verse 9 says, resist him, steadfast in the truth. If he can keep you from understanding that it's him that's wanting your land. See, he's deceitful and he's trickery. He uses trickery. And he wants you to not do the things you should do, but he doesn't just in your face like, here I am, the devil I'm taking from you. No, he does it in such a way that we're not even aware that the weeds are coming up and the toys are in the yard and the, the, peop- the enemy's building chicken coops within us and he's building structures and digging up our, our land and he's doing stuff in us and we're not even aware that it's happening. You are called to battle for full possession of your land called you. I want you to look at picture number two. This, first of all, there's an absolute battle for your mind. Yeah. I want to know something. Do you fight? Do you fight the battle for your mind at all? Or do you just let whatever comes its way through the processes And just be there. You see, I fight for my yard. I don't want their toys in my yard. And I don't want chicken coops on my pretty grass. They can keep them in their lawn. You see, we are so, we would be vigilant about it, wouldn't we? To keep our property and keep it the way we want it, doing what we want. And each of you have something different. But what about the property of you? What about the land of you? Do you allow the enemy to come in and steal property from you? You see, he, what, what thoughts hold you captive? <laughs> the enemy lies to you. He wants you to believe that you are unable. Absolutely doesn't want you to think you're able. He, think, he, he wants you to believe that you're inadequate. He thinks he, he whispers a lot to show that you're worthless, that you're um, insecure, helpless, and to top it all off, he wants you to be ineffective. That's his goal. He wants you to be ineffective, and he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe you are sick. So he always is whispering things. Oh, did you feel that? Wow, I wonder what that was. That was really hurt. And oh my goodness, 
I've never felt that. That must be something serious. You know, do you hear what I'm saying? The enemy is constantly whispering in our ear things about ourselves because he wants to come in and he wants to build a structure within you, then build walls up that keep you from becoming who God destined you to be. And so 2 Corinthians 10 says it this way. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not like things of the earth. They're mighty in God. They're for pulling down strongholds. You see, there's a battle out there, and you and I have to pull down strongholds. It says we have to cast down arguments of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You see, there's these these thoughts that come into our head, and instead of them just coming by and planting themselves in, we have to go, wait a minute. That doesn't really sound like the word of God at all. That doesn't seem like that would be what God would say to me. You have to take it and cast down those thoughts that come your way. You see, we get so used to those thoughts just coming into our head that we just, we just think they're everyday life. It's just normal. And the enemy just loves it. He loves that he can fool you. And so God is saying to you that you need to take possession of your land. And one of the lands you need to fully take hold of is your mind. And then it says, the last of that verse, it says, to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If every thought you had, you measured against, how does this please the Lord? How does this line up with the word of God? How, what, what is God, what would God say about this? We would think less thoughts because that would take a little bit of time, right? (laughs) But the truth is that we need to wake up and start being aware of the thoughts that do come our way and what to choose we're going to do with it just like I do with my yard you have to decide what am I going to do am I going to take it on you see you are not to let the giant of fear come in to establish ownership and I'm telling you that the giant of fear is trying to come into you continuously he would like to make you afraid of the land you live in of the rulership of the land he would like you to be afraid of going to the store that you might get germs. He would like you to be afraid of everything possible that he can. He wants you to live in a state of fear because that's when he plants his his building inside of you and he builds the wall up around and he makes it higher and higher until you are not even aware that fear exists in you. And the enemy loves to make you fearful. And you must, so you must say no When fear comes in, you say, no, I was purchased by the blood of Jesus and the price was sufficient. And you have to remember that Christ paid for you to live in victory. He didn't pay for you to live in fear. He paid for you to live in victory. I love Psalm 118, 6. It says, the Lord is for me. Would you say that? Do you actually believe that? The Lord is for me. So I will have what? No fear. So I will have no fear. You don't have 116, 118.6? The Lord is for me. So I will have no fear. 
What can mere people do to me? See, do you recognize how the enemy tries to keep you looking at all your chaos? And trust me, there's a lot of chaos. I, I, I listen to you, I listen to my me, and I'm like, man, that's a lot of chaos. And he wants to keep our eyes on the chaos and the circumstances, rather on him. Jesus, the one who paid for your your um, wholeness, the one who gave you liberty, the one who said freedom, I speak freedom over you, the one who said whom the sun sets free is free indeed, the one who said I came to give you life and life abundant. And if we're not living in abundant life, then we need to go, okay, so where are those thoughts coming through that we're allowing to come in that have nothing to do with the word of God and what he has for us? We have to remember Jesus and the completed work on the cross. Do you really understand the full extent of what Jesus did on your behalf? There's few of us that live from that position of the cross. And we, we, are, we stand and are kind of like the men of Israel. Well, I don't know. How could I do this? How could this work? How, we're always wondering how can it be when God speaks to us, when he tells us that you're free and free indeed, when he says, I, I'm going to lead you. And we go, I have no idea what to do. I absolutely have no idea what to do. And yet he says, I am your great shepherd and I'm going to lead you. And I'm going to show you the way to go. He says he goes before us and behind us. And yet we are in fear and in anxiety, wondering how in the world we're going to make it. Because we let the enemy come into our property. We let him establish places within us that that don't belong. And God is saying to you, it's time to take back the land. It's time to go in and take all that I provided for you. Have you read the book? Have you read the book, all that he's provided for you? Why do we live so far below what he's given us? Your enemy wants to establish landmarkers in your life. And he loves to throw garbage and junk into your yard of your mind. And he uses fear tactics continuously. And he builds walls to hold you captive. And God is calling you to battle. To actually tear down. And you have to bit by bit reclaim what was already yours to begin with. Do not let the devil have access to your mind. Shut the door and keep him and his destructive thoughts out. And do not let anxiety have a place in you. Close the door on that one. Philippians 4 verse 16 says, it says what? Be anxious for what? Wow, how many have had an anxious thought this last week? (laughs) But he gives you the solution. He said, if you're having anxious thoughts, then this is what you do. You go to him and you say, hey, God, I've got anxiety. And it's really disturbing my well-being. And I'm just thanking you that you're a king of kings and lord of lords, that you sit on the throne, that you already know what's going on in my life, and you've already gone before me, that you've got this covered, and that I don't have to worry about it because of who you are. 
And so we, I thank you and I praise you and I thank you that you're working in this situation. That's what we're, we're supposed to do with anxiety. Not wring our hands and, and go, one more thing I cannot take. One more thing. Did you know that anxiety and fear cause you physical problems? So you start having a whole bunch of physical problems, go, oh, I must have allowed the enemy in with anxiety and fear. I'm going to kick him out to the curb. I'm going to take his stuff. I'm going to ferociously throw it back at him because he doesn't belong here. Genesis 22 actually tells us that we possess the gate of the enemy. Actually says enemies. Well, if I possess the gate, I can open or close it, right? If I own the gate, can't I open or close it? Can't I put a lock on it? Can't I build a wall in front of it so he can never come in? That means you can shut it and keep the thoughts of the enemy out of the yard of your mind. Fill your mind with the truth of God until there's no room for the deceitful lies of the devil. He, the scripture tells us that he's actually given us the mind of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.16. It says, who can know the Lord's thoughts or who even knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things. For we have the mind of Christ. Not only that, he's given you a helmet of salvation that you're supposed to put on your head. It's part of the... uh, Thank you. The armor. It's the armor. And what is it? The salvation, it's, it's reminding us of the cross. It's reminding us of all he's done for us. It's reminding of us of the price that he paid. It says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the word of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you think of this stuff as harassment or everyday life? You see, it's harassment, plain and simple. And you have to say, I, I will not allow the enemy to harass me. My thoughts, I'm having, if they're not lining up with the word of God, I'm changing my thoughts. I'm not going to entertain them. There's times when I entertain and concern and worry about stupid things that, that never come to be. And I've wasted so much time and energy. And it affects me. It makes me weary and tired. And, and God is saying, hey, take back the land. I've given you a good land. I've provided everything you need for life and godliness. And it's time to arise and take the land. Look at picture number three. There's a battle for your heart do you fight you see the bible says that the heart is the place out of the abundance of the heart your mouth speaks so if you want to know what's happening in your heart listen to your words they will show you what's in your heart out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks What's coming out of there? Trouble and chaos and problems and, and anxiety and fear and all those kinds of things. Or is it, man, God loves me. 
Oh, the plan he has for me. It's for good and not for evil. He has purpose and hope. Oh, he's lining things up for me to be in position to where he wants me to go and what he wants me to do and what he wants me to be. Oh, he's providing for me because the word says that he supplies all my needs. In fact, it says he's my good shepherd and he leads me to beside still waters. He restores my soul, right? He sits me at the table in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. That's what he says. Listen to your words. What are you allowing to fill your heart? Are they lies and offenses and anger and unbelief? Are those the kind of things that fill our lives? I love Psalms nineteen fourteen, and I actually speak it a lot to the Lord. I say, God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You see, you don't have an obligation to participate in sin in any way. If you have asked Jesus Christ to to dwell in you, if you've asked him to be your Lord and Savior, then you have no obligation to sin. Sin has no right on you. And the only way that sin can have a right is if you give it the right to to participate. It says in Romans 6, it says, knowing this, the old man, the man before Jesus came into your life, he was crucified with him. You died with him. And that the body of sin might be done away with, gone forever. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he died... For he who has died has been free from sin. So something supernatural happens in that trans, trans, um, transition. So you, you, you die and you, you gain new DNA. Did you know that? You see, you had the DNA of Adam, your forefather from long ago. You had the DNA of his sin. But when you received Christ into your life, you got new DNA from the Father in heaven. And so your DNA, the blood that runs through you, is from the Father. And there's no sin in that. Am I right? It changed everything. He Then he clothed you in this beautiful robe of righteousness. It's not your righteousness. It's his covering you, making you holy and pure. And you don't have to participate in sin. You don't have to let it rule. In fact, in Romans 6, 11, it says, reckon yourselves dead to sin. Say, hey, I'm dead to sin. I don't have to have this trash in my yard. I don't have to participate with anger and offense and and uh, unforgiveness and, and not believing God and all the things that the enemy tries to put on us get to plant in our heart so that our heart doesn't beat with him. It beats with a different beat. And God is wanting you to beat with the same beat he has. He wants you to see the things he sees. He wants you to look out and see people through his eyes. He wants your heart to beat with his, his heartbeat. And, and the devil, he loves to plant unbelief in your heart. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I thought God said that, but I, I'm not sure. It, does, it doesn't look like it. It doesn't look anything like what God, I thought he said to me. Uh, it can't be. It must not be. 
how could God possibly do that? Because I've never seen him do it before. Um, how could God heal me? Because I haven't seen God heal. So the word must mean something different in Greek so that it doesn't actually mean he's healed me. You know, those kind of things that we walk through with our mind and our heart and we try to believe. And all along, God's just wanting you to be whole. He's just wanting you to be free. He's just wanting you to live righteously before him. He just wants you to be his child and enjoy life. Look at picture number four. There's a battle for your body. Do you fight? You see, the enemy's goal is to destroy your physical body. You see it all around you. Do you not, every time you turn here, somebody getting something, that having something, or something strange that's never happened before? When my friend, that pastor friend, had a man-eating virus that attacked and was eating the flesh of his arm, and they were saying he was going to lose his hand and his arm. And two people in the hospital, the same hospital he was in, actually died from that. And I began to pray, and the church around him began to pray. And even our Wednesday night study began to pray for this man. He did not lose a finger. He did not lose an arm. He's getting full mobility back, and God has touched him. And he did that. He did that through worship. He left a walking testimony of who God is in that hospital. He uses all kinds of ways to attack and destroy. Do you have to set up a defense line? You have to protect yourself. I'm not going there. I'm not allowing this. I'm not participating in this. It's let's get practical. So if I tell you that he's after your physical body, what does the word actually say? What is the provision for your physical body? Look at Third John two. It says, Beloved, that's you. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. That's the heart of God, that you would walk in health. He wants you to walk in health. God wants to deliver us from the onslaught of the enemy against our bodies. So we sang about it even this morning. What exactly does his shield do? What is, it says he's a shield to us. It says he'll hide you under the, his wings. He says he's your refuge, your deliverer. But he says he's your shield. Well, I think of a shield as something that protects me from stuff. Have you declared that he's your shield in the midst of all that happens in you? Look at Psalm 18. How great are, are, how great or strong is God's shield for you? This is how good it is. It says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. He's your deliverer. That's what the word says. Do you, do you let that come out of your mouth that he's my deliverer? My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Put that one on your fridge. 
That holds great promise for every situation, both physical and spiritual, that might come against you. What will we allow? What will we put up with? Even embrace and take ownership of it. Well, it's in my family line, so we've always all had it, so you're just going to have to suffer through it because that's the way it is. That's how we talk, church. Maybe not that ridiculous, but close. And I catch myself. And my husband sometimes just looks at me like, why are you saying that? (laughs) Yeah. What is worth battling for in your physical body? I know when Becca's back was out, she was battling for healing. She said, I don't want to be like this. I want healing. I don't want this. I don't want surgery and all of this. I want healing. And she went after it. And one morning in service, God just touched her back and restored it. Because he's good. And he's a healer. And sometimes we battle for the things that we need. One of the things I found myself saying a lot is, oh, I am just so tired. I am just so tired. And the Lord says in his word, the Lord is the strength of my life. In Psalm 27, 1, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And then read the rest of it with me. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's the strength of your life. We have to take that property, that ownership, and say over our physical body, and say, this is my property. I own it. You cannot come and be a part of this. The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is the strength. He's the one that holds me and keeps me. He's the one that goes before me. We let weariness rule. The words of our mouth just continuously speak the wrong things. We need to reprogram our mouths with the word of God. Maybe that takes memorizing some passages. Listen to this next thing about your body. We're designed to flourish. Look at Psalm 92, 14. It says, they shall still bear fruit in old age. The best fruit. That's what I declare. And they shall be what? And what? Okay, I asked you, are you flourishing? Are you flourishing? Does it describe you? Have you told your body to line up with the word of God? Body, the word says that I will, be, I will bear fruit in old age and I will flourish. I will flourish. So line, get yourself lined up with the word and do what you're supposed to be doing. God is calling you to take possession of the land of you that he has given. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, For you were bought with a price. Do you understand that? You were bought with a price. It says, Therefore glorify God in your body. You need to shine out God from your body because you're strong. Shine out God because you're healthy. Shine out God because your eyes see and your ears hear and your, your skin is... Like baby skin, it's not all wrinkly. (laughs) I'll take that one too. The enemy comes in such subtle ways that we're not even aware there is a need for battle. 
See, that's the problem. I do the whole yard thing, and you're all like, ha, ah, yeah, no, that would never happen. But that happens in us, in our own property of ourself. And we let it happen. We let the enemy come in and do all those goofy things inside of us. And God is saying, hey, take back the land. Go in and possess the land. I, I've, I've actually, he says to him, you're going to go into this land, and in this land you're going to live in houses that you didn't build. You're going to eat fruit from trees that you didn't plant. You're going to get water from wells that you didn't dig for. Not only that, there's all kinds of things that all kinds of things are going to be left by the enemy that you're going to get to take hold of. He promised them that, and they still said they didn't want to go into the land. They were too afraid. They didn't understand. And God is calling to you this morning, and he said, it's time to go into the land. It's time to take full possession of the land. And there's a demand to wake up and battle. You see, it doesn't just happen. I don't put on strength just by deciding I'm going to put on strength. I choose to say, the Lord is the strength of my life today. It doesn't matter what I'm physically experiencing. He's the strength of my life. So I'm going to receive from him a freshness and a newness and a vitality. But it also, we have to remember something. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Watch what you're doing and eating. He's, he's, he's putting a demand on us to clean up our acts a little bit. He's saying, hey, church, you need to get your bodies ready for what I'm about to do on the earth because you're needed. So do the things that I've shown you to do. I want you to remind you that the enemy is devious. He's underhanded and he never stops. And his whispers sound like truth. His whispers are heard in your ear on a daily basis. We need to awaken and understand there is a demand for battle to keep your land. He wants to strip you of all you own and all that you are. And all you have to do is stop him. That's how easy it is. You have to decide. This is worth the battle. And church... It is worth the battle because you're needed. You are needed, church. And if you are so busy with all of this, how do you ever see anyone else? If all your needs in your heart or your mind or your physical body are taking your full attention, how do you have attention For those beside you that are walking through horrible things that need you. And so we have to awaken to who we really are. Because Jesus, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. And he's calling for you. And this is the final word for you, and it's found in Ephesians 6. It says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you're able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. That breastplate of righteousness protects you. That helmet of salvation protects you. That sword in your hand does incredible battle. It's the word of God. The sword is the word of God. 
Put on the, all the God's armor that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. And then it says this, remember, you're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on all of God's armor so you're able to resist the devil in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. You are worth fighting for. You are worth fighting for. The real you has been in the background under siege, and you need to awaken it to the freedoms that God has given you. So church, arise. Arise and awaken. And take the land. Take the land in Jesus' name. Won't you stand with me? First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven says this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. So I declare over my church, I declare minds that are healthy, full of the thoughts of God. I declare over my church hearts that beat in compassion with God. I declare healthy bodies in the name of Jesus. I declare that you walk in victory, 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 victory in every place. And we, as the body, stand with you in the battle. We'll come alongside of you and we'll hold up your arms when you're tired. And we'll speak encouragement over you when you're weary. And we'll tell you the truth of what God is saying. And you will see him and he will meet you in Jesus' name. The devil ain't going to build no chicken coops in my yard. No, sir. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. He gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Put your hand in your heart this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious, lift up his compassion, and give you peace in Jesus' name. (laughs) What? Go in his grace today. There's prayer up if you need it.